I have one thing to say to you. Kiss my fat ass! Hello, fellow mourners of diet culture. It is I, Emily Lubin. I'm the Grim Reaper and the host of this show. Welcome to R.I.P. Diet Season 2, Episode 2. For those of you who have been getting at me recently, sliding into the DMs on Instagram to say how excited you are that the show is back, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm excited that the show is back too. Keep engaging on social media. Screenshot the show when you're listening to it and share it with your friends or send people individual episodes that you think they might be interested in. I need you guys to help me sell the shit out of this show because the only way that I'm going to reach any kind of notoriety through this show is with the help of all of you. And you're doing amazing so far, but keep fighting the good fight because As I've said, we are trying to start a revolution and we need to make this viral. So thank you so much and continue to do what you're doing. Write a review if you like the show. You can make a fake name on iTunes, a fake username. Uh, It can be anything you want and it really does help people find the show. It helps with ratings. It's just an all-around good deed to do. So if you haven't written an iTunes review, just go in and give me five stars if you want to. Write a nice review. Let people know what the show is all about. And that would really be doing me a solid, you guys. Really and truly. I put so much work and effort into this show because I want to make a good show for you guys. But it doesn't mean diddly squat if not that many people are listening to it. So thank you for all that you do. But Keep fighting is the basic message. Also, if you haven't slid into my DMs, go ahead and slide. I am Lubination, L-U-B-I-N-A-T-I-O-N on Instagram. You can also send me an email at ripdiets at gmail.com if you have advice questions or just want to chit the chat about body image or tell me something privately that you don't feel comfortable sharing in DM. I welcome any and all emails. And I've said it before, I will say it again, join the private Facebook group. It costs absolutely nothing to join. It doesn't cost a dollar. It doesn't cost 50 cents, 25 cents. It is free. Just go to facebook.com and type in the search bar RIP dieters. And when the group pops up, you can request to be added and I will add you usually in less than 12 hours. Finally, if you haven't checked out the Patreon, check it out. It's patreon.com slash rip diets. I have committed to doing a bonus podcast episode and a vlog every month only for my Patreon people. And in the off season, which uh, if you guys don't know, each season is 25 episodes with a short break in between. So during the off season, you will still get a weekly dose of RIP diets, which I think is actually an amazing deal for the low, low price of $6.99 per month. It's a great way to support the show and to support me. So I hope to see you there. We have fun on there. So let's get into the episode. I am thrilled about today's guest. I think she is incredible. My guest today is Elle Marcel, a.k.a. King Fat Femi on Instagram. She's such a grounded, 
smart human being, but also just fabulous and sexy and extremely body positive and fat positive. Definitely give her a follow. I will say, though, because she didn't have any professional equipment, the sound quality of this conversation is not quite as good as what I normally like to put out. I wanted to give you that warning and let you all know that I will always try to maintain a really high standard of sound quality. But since I thought this was such an exceptional guest, I didn't want to pass up on the opportunity or be too much of a stickler for the sound in this particular case. So just be emotionally prepared. It sounds like a phone call, basically. It's not unlistenable, but definitely not quite as crisp and clear as I normally would put out. And I still think you'll love the conversation, and I think we all have a lot to learn from Elle. It's funny, during this conversation, I made a joke about skinny shaming, and it's kind of a funny word, skinny shaming, but it definitely does exist, and I've seen it happen before. I don't think it happens quite as much as fat shaming because I think we generally value and protect thin people more than we do fat people in our society, but I've seen skinny shaming happen before. I remember um, one year at camp, I made friends with a girl who was naturally very skinny and she actually had issues maintaining her weight and told me that she had to drink Pediasure and other supplements at home because her parents worried about her getting enough nutrients. But I was around her a lot and I didn't have any reason to think she had an eating disorder. She seemed to eat as much as I did and as frequently. But other kids at camp would make comments about it, both well-intentioned and not so well-intentioned. People would call her anorexic as a descriptor for how thin she was. And one day we were at lunch and we were sitting together with some other girls and she had a piece of pizza in front of her. But for whatever reason, she hadn't gotten around to eating it yet. I think we were probably playing card games or something and she hadn't picked up her pizza yet. Anyway, this girl walked by who was kind of a mean girl, and she said to her, you should eat something. And my friend, who was pretty sassy herself, um, she said something like, I have my lunch in front of me. Why do you care what I eat? And the mean girl said back to her, "Okay, sorry, I don't want you to die of anorexia. And all these girls at my table, including myself, started clapping back and defending our friend and saying, oh, stop it. That's just her natural body and that's none of your business. Stop harassing her, etc. And the mean girl walked away clearly kind of embarrassed as she should have been. And my thin friend was pretty unaffected by it because, again, I think she heard it a lot. But I suddenly remembered this when I was thinking about skinny shaming and the difference between skinny shaming and fat shaming. To me, there is such a clear difference. Thin people are lifted up in every facet of society. Thin people are perceived to be more intelligent, more motivated, morally higher up, and are even paid more than fat people. That is statistically true. Thin people are idolized and they're asked, what's your secret? And looked up to in a sense, even if that's just how they are. A few years ago, 
when Nicki Minaj put out the classic song for the ages titled Anaconda. I watched the video on YouTube and the comment section was in an uproar over the lyric. And I had to look up this lyric. This one is for my bitches with a fat ass in the fucking club. I said, with my fat ass pink bitches in the club. Fuck the skinny bitches. Fuck the skinny bitches in the club. Where my fat ass bitches in the club. Fuck those skinny bitches in the club. That was the lyric. And basically a bunch of people in the comments section were so offended and wrote things like, why is she skinny shaming? I'm naturally skinny. I can't help it. And this really hurts me. And when I see shit like that and people reacting that way, I can't help but roll my eyes at it. Of course, I don't think body shaming in any way is okay. I wouldn't shame someone for being too thin, too fat, too muscular, whatever. It's never your place to comment on someone's body. But what annoys me so much is that people completely dismiss the claim that someone could be fat and that's their natural state of being. Or they do believe it, but they still think that person should drastically change their lifestyle and lose weight in the name of health. And I use that word in quotes. And fat people have to face that judgment every fucking day from people they know, from people they don't know, from trolls on the internet. I don't think you can step outside as a fat person and not face judgment and discrimination from others. And yet, I have never seen someone in real life jump to a fat person's defense when someone comments on their weight. When I was in school, there was a handful of specific times that someone said something about my size or my weight, and not once did anyone jump to my defense and say, hey, leave her alone. That's just how she is. That's just her natural body type. Because whether we like it or not, we have to admit that we don't see it as the same thing. And when I say we, I, I just mean the collective we, our society. We're so fat phobic that we are unable to apply the same logic to fat bodies that we do to thin bodies. Doctors prescribe the same behavior to fat people that would be classified as an eating disorder for a thin person, like counting calories or writing down what you eat or eating a thousand calories a day or doing aerobic exercise every day to burn fat. We don't treat fat people the same as everyone else at all, not even close. So don't play the personal trauma card by saying, Oh, I see. Fat shaming's not okay, but you can call us skinny bitches and that's totally fine. Yes. That's like asking why you can't say the N-word, but someone else can call you a cracker and get away with it. Or it's like when a straight dude says, it's not easy to be a straight guy in 2020. Oh, is it hard? Or has it just been so fucking easy for so long and now you're getting a taste of how it feels on the other side? Boo-fucking-who. And once again, I don't think anyone should be calling anyone names out of school. That's not what I stand for at all. But you need to recognize your privilege and check your privilege. You need to recognize the fact that the word fat and pretty much every other synonym for fat has up until very recently been used to shame women and make them feel terrible about themselves. Meanwhile, the word thin has almost exclusively been used to praise women. So anyone who thinks that someone calling them skinny is equally offensive 
to being called fat has most likely never been called fat because if they had been, they would know the fucking difference. And now that I've ranted long and hard about that particular issue, I cannot wait any longer. I hope you like this conversation with El Marcel and take the jokes I made about skinny shaming with a grain of salt. I love you all. Enjoy. My guest today is a content creator. She's a new friend of mine. Elle Marcel, aka King Fat Femi on Instagram. So excited to have you. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. How you are were you? uh I'm great. You were recently a guest on Hot Mess, my other podcast, and we got a lot into, you know, your mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, you have borderline personality disorder. God, that's like a crazy diagnosis when you say the full thing out loud. I just realized because I always say BPD. But like a personality disorder, I just like it registered with me as like, is that challenging to be like, I have a personality disorder? You know, I went so long not knowing what was wrong with me that I kind of wear like, (laughs) I finally know I have BPD. Yeah. And I break it down because people usually don't take it seriously when you just say BPD. Right. You say borderline personality disorder. (laughs) They're like, oh shit, this bitch is for real. (laughs) They're like, oh, this is, let me go look that up. But I, (laughs) I I am, I'm totally fine with being, you know, saying that because I went so long not knowing what the hell was wrong with me, what, you know, this terror that I was feeling inside that now that I have a name for it, that it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, no, I identify with that a lot, actually, because I, I, I've dealt with anxiety my entire life, um, would always have, you know, these granted miniature anxiety attacks. Like I was never the the type of person who would freeze up and feel like they were having a heart attack, but I would have these emotional breakdowns where I felt like everything around me was ending and I was the worst person ever. And I would end up, you know, in fetal position on the floor and never knew what was wrong with me. And then to have a doctor actually say you have an anxiety disorder was so affirming and like, okay, great. Like what I have can be treated and I can actually go about this. Like it's a medical problem and not like I'm this broken person. Like you would think that having a mental health diagnosis of any kind could make you feel like a broken person, but I actually think you feel more broken when you don't know what the fuck is wrong with you. Right. Yeah. I mean, I definitely felt relieved. I, when I, and this was even before I talked to a therapist or anybody about it, but just reading some of the stuff that I read on message boards about people with borderline, it felt, oh my God, finally, I know what this is. Like, I know, and then there's books about it. And then there's, you know, there's studies about it. Not a lot, but there are studies about it. There's things that I can do to Mm -hmm. make me feel better, at least to get me through those tough moments, not to cure anything. But uh, it really did, uh, like you said, affirm everything. And it just made me feel like it was a new start. Like there was yeah. a new kind of life to be lived. Wow. Very well said. <laughs> um, I'm curious, when you were growing up, what was your childhood like? What were your parents' attitude toward body image, you know, we talk about body image on the show, but also mm-hmm. mental health, because I do think it plays into it a little bit. What kind of environment did you grow up in, I guess, is what I'm asking. Well, I was always chunky. 
I was always okay. chunky. Uh, and I grew up in the South. So, you know, food is everywhere. Food is plentiful. Soul and food. You, you can always eat. There's always tons. I was always eating ribs. I remember that. As a little kid, I was eating ribs. Yum. So I, I was always, like, I was the kid that was in the kitchen while my daddy was cooking, trying to sneak some food. That was my mm. life. When my dad and I hung out, we would always eat, like, burgers and we would go get a Pepsi. So I had a lot of food memories. Okay. And a lot of things that I carry with me that brought me like comfort. Like I know if I can go to the store and get a Pepsi, it, it somehow makes me feel closer to my father. Wow. Pepsi. Always- That's a very yeah. alternative choice. I know, especially here, but in the South, it is real. They love Pepsi. Pepsi is really good. We, really? we talk about more like, I mean, for my family, we talk more about Pepsi than we do Coke. I don't, I don't drink either one now, but but when I want a memory or feel close to my father, I know I can always go get a Coke and it will kind of like bring me back to that childhood. Um, growing up, I, I, you know, I didn't know anything about mental illness. We didn't know anything about mental, my family didn't know anything about it, but I definitely was experiencing it at a very young age. I think I've always, I don't, I don't, I don't know a life where I've ever been happy. I don't know a life where I've ever been content or been not um anxiety written but I will say growing up I was very even though I was anxious or you know dealt with some of that I was very loud and very just out there very fun I was what they call the ham I was always Mm -hmm. the person that was like give me the camcorder I want to be on camera when they told me in kindergarten that I could introduce like a little class that was going to perform and I went up there and I said my name and I was like hi my name is, and I do this, and uh, and this is the class of the, they were like, you're too low, you need to go higher, and I said, Morgan, yes, <laughs> I gave it the full force, because that's exactly who I am, you give me a note, and I've got it, that's yeah. the type of kid I was, I was like, you tell me to do something, I'm gonna do it, and I'm gonna do it full force, you know, <laughs> I was a real wild kid, and did um, you think that, um, I'm asking because this is kind of like a recent discovery that I've made about myself. And by the way, never related to somebody saying their childhood was unhappy more. I actually have struggled with a lot of guilt, accepting in my adulthood that I was not a happy child because I, you know, I was given a lot of opportunities and I feel there's a part of me that feels guilty for admitting that I was not a particularly happy child, that I was sad a lot, that I was dealing with a lot of stuff because I feel like I should have been happy when really there is no should be. But do you think that you being loud and, and like wanting to put a smile on other people's faces or wanting to perform for people or be out there, do you think it comes from like you wanting to make other people happy because you were unhappy? Yeah, I mean, when I look back at my life, I am, I noticed a lot of things and I noticed that I was mostly alone. I had older siblings that were all, they were 10 years older than me, 10, 12 years older oh, than wow. me. Oh, wow. My mother always worked, but she also was dating someone else and she didn't want me to know about it because I was a young kid and I got a big mouth. 
Mm -hmm. So she didn't want my father to know because my father was also in and out of the house. If he was with my mother, then he would be the best person in the world. And then, you know, we'd have a few good months of just goodness and then everything would come crashing down and then everything was bad and horrible. And we went through that cycle all the time. So I had a father that lived literally 10 minutes down the road, worked 10 minutes down the road too. And sometimes I wouldn't see him for six months to a year. He wouldn't call me or anything because he wasn't with my mother. If he couldn't be with my mother, we didn't exist. Oh, Jesus. And then on my other side, yeah. So on the other side, I had the same thing where my mom had created a whole family without me. She had my baby sister by my father, but then like they kept breaking up and going back and forth that she ended up dating someone that she worked with. And they had a whole relationship. My older sister knew him. She was even living with him. And um, I was like on the outside. So I was mostly alone. Like when I look at my childhood, I mostly, pretty much what I do now is that I'm kind of, a her- I was kind of a hermit. I stayed in my room. I talked, you know, I had my dolls. I had my karaoke machine and I had the radio on Saturday nights. Like pretty much how I lived my life. And, you know, they didn't know what to do about it. And then they didn't know about what to do about my sadness or anything like that. I don't even think they really noticed or even cared. They haven't, they haven't even spoken to me about any of these things yet. So I don't even know what they know. But from the things that my niece and my sister, my little sister told me, I was a mean kid. I was mean. Oh, a bully. And I was like, I was like, what? How? I was always so sad. Like, I was always so sad. But, you know, I only saw my sadness I didn't see the things that I did to other people because I was stuck and nobody had the resources to pull me out of it nor did they even try that was this really smart kid who didn't have anybody focusing that energy on anything and I didn't have and I couldn't because I saw this abandonment around me I couldn't build friendships with people like If I did, it was with an adult. Like my best friend wasn't even my best friend. Her mother was my best friend. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) Would you like go over to her house just to hang out with her mom? Listen, when I went over to her house, I didn't really go to play dolls with her. Her mom and I would watch black and white movies together. When she took us out, she bought me whatever she bought her. When we went skating together, she made sure that I had the skates. She made sure that I, she paid for my ticket. Like she took care of me the way that my parents never did. Like she provided that kind of like emotional support. Like, go ahead, run free, do your thing. Oh, God bless that woman. That's, yeah. oh, it is so important for kids. I mean, especially when they have parents who are not reliable, which it sounds like your parents were not very yeah. reliable. But even if they do, I think it's really important for kids to have adults in their life who are not their parents who they can look up to and see like okay like that's kind of an example for how I could be or how I should act but it's not my parents who I you know am sometimes resentful towards for different reasons and I used to be so mad at my best friend because I would be like you're so ungrateful yeah this woman (laughs) literally does everything you want like you want pizza for dinner she's ordering pizza you want this brand new toy she's getting it for you and I I I never got those things unless it was my mom's boyfriend trying to suck up to me sure 
Yeah, so I didn't I didn't get those things. My even my baby sister, she had it so good because she had two fathers. Although one was absent, she had a step she had a uh, father that stepped in. Mm-hmm. So she got everything that she wanted. I felt and I'm sorry for all the redheads out there that I'm gonna say this because this is only this is only a knowledge analogy that I grew up with. But oh, I can't wait. Uh, you know, I got treat I got treated like a redheaded stepchild. Yeah. Like who is this kid and where did she come from? Like <laughs> that's so painful that that's really that's really really hard but has has the family dynamic changed at all in your adulthood it's the same no my mother is still like I I'll tell my mother things and I've tried to tell her things and she doesn't really see that and you know it's hard for people who grew up a certain way who who see things in their own way to see things other people's way. It's really hard. It took, you know, it took my own self-awareness to even hear the things that my sister and my niece were telling me that I was mean because I didn't know I was mean, but that was just, that was how I, that's, that's their experience of me. My experience was totally different. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I have to recognize those things that, you know, I'm being, if someone's saying I'm being mean to them, I need to reflect on those things and see so my parents don't do that. My dad's very Christian and old. And I think he also has a, some kind of disability him, his, uh, disorder himself um, that's unchecked. But he's found a way to kind of like navigate with that um, as he's grown older. And, and which I find that most people with BPD, even if it goes unchecked, they usually find a way to deal with it mm-hmm. by avoiding everything. And that's what my father has done. He has created a life where he doesn't have to do a lot with a lot of people. Like he only goes to church and then he comes home. He watches TV. He sits out on his porch. People come by. He waves to him. Hey, how you doing? And he keeps it moving. He keeps he keeps interactions to a minimum. Right. And you said he would kind of pop in and out as he pleased. So maybe that was also a way of managing that. Yeah. That's interesting because actually, and I'm going to pull this up. Sorry if this makes you uncomfortable, but this yeah. is actually something that you wrote um, <laughs> on one of your Instagrams in the vein of, you know, being alone and feeling more comfortable being alone. Um, I marked where I wanted to read this and now I've lost it. Okay. Yeah. So you start saying, I get everything I deserve when I'm alone. Seems like people don't know how to appreciate me enough to be truly interested in a person that looks like me. I'm objectified by cis men and women from only finding me worthy when it comes to their fetishes, to their temporary pleasures of exploring their sexuality. And then I'm going to skip a little bit. It's all a bit strange that the only people attracted to me are people who want to use me or are creepy retweet. I truly deserve better. Should I move back down South where my body's more desirable and I'm forced to date boring men constantly contemplating, giving up my queer identity and just be a bit, just be a bored housewife, or maybe I should just move away to the edge of the earth and be forever in my own solitude. First of all, girl, you're a poet. Um, I know I was listening to, I was like, damn, no, to hear your own funny. writing read back to you is like a very, you have like an outer body experience. I know because I was a creative writing major, but you could write a book. Um, but there's a lot in there. And I found it so interesting. First of all, this, this, I mean, up top, this, this idea of being alone because you're the only one who can treat yourself or can 
you know, know what to expect when it comes to treating yourself the way that you feel like you deserve, um, is so profound. And I relate to that a lot because I am more introverted and I find that, you know, you go outside and you never know how people are going to mistreat you. So Mm -hmm. I completely understand that. But then also this thing about fetishizing fat bodies is something that I'm trying to get more educated on because I do think that body acceptance is not just accepting your own body, but it's learning to accept everybody's body and bodies and to learn what struggles other people go through. And this is something that I've heard is that, um, part of the fat acceptance movement is yes, we want to be accepted, but also we don't want to be fetishized. And I'm wondering if you can kind of summarize for the listeners, what the difference is between those two things. You know, that's a very hard, thin line. Yeah, for sure. To even describe to you, and I won't pretend that I know what that line is. I just know when I feel someone's hand on my belly, it makes me second guess why they're touching me there. Yeah, that makes sense. It makes me think, is this person trying to tell me that they are attracted to this part of my body. I think the thing is, is that I just want to feel like I just exist. Yeah. Like, I don't want to feel like, oh, you know, you're, you know, you're, I, I'm attracted to fat women and all of this other, like, I, I just want someone to think, like, think outside of my body. You know, I don't know how that looks because I've never seen that. I just know that the feeling that I get when people do certain things to me, it pushes me further away from them. Yeah. That's the best way. Cause you know, even when I talk about BPD and all of these things, I've never had a life before that where, you know, like all of a sudden I just got, you know, borderline personality disorder triggered by this one event. I've been fat my whole life. I've been, I've, I believe I've had BPD my whole life. So I don't have a before to compare it to or anything else. Like, you know, I know a lot of people have, this is all I've ever known. So I've only been treated poorly because I've been fat or I've only been idolized because I am fat, but I've never existed in a place where I am just me. I'm not allowed that. So I can't even tell you what body acceptance really feels like because the only person that I can, I ever see that interaction with is myself. Right. Yeah. And I I think, um, you know, what I can extrapolate from that or kind of like summarize for people is imagine that there's something on your body that you're self-conscious of, whether it be like a mole on your face or a birthmark or something that people think is weird. And then suddenly you discover that there's a whole group of people that are all about that fucking mole. That mole turns them on. That's what they're about. You would start, I think at first you'd be like, oh, great. People are attracted to the mole. But then- Where it starts. That's where it starts. That's where it starts. Oh my God, people love this. But then eventually you'd be like, wait a second. If I didn't have this mole, would you still be attracted to me? Like, do you just look at me and see a giant mole? And Yeah, am I just this mole to you? Yeah, I mean- it's, it's pretty much that it's the, it's the feeling of just wanting to, for people to like you for you and not 
just see you as a body or a body that they're attracted to or a body that they don't like or whatever. I just want to exist. Yeah, to not be treated like an other. Yeah, I, I feel like the idea of even body acceptance is just like absurd because it shouldn't be such an outrageous idea for me just to exist, like just for humans to exist the way that they are, like no matter what they look like and who they are, you know, it just feels like it's just like this idea that we had to create to kind of like put it to enforce the idea behind that I am just human. Like I am you, you, you know, we are just people. These are just vessels. These things die. They dissipate, you know, they grow, they go, they do all kinds of things, but you know, the, the limitations that people put on me and the, and the, uh, the cre- the kind of like I don't know what to say the like predatory yes feel that they put on me when they're like you know just saying even when I even when I am talking about like uh when I'm just existing on the internet and I feel like people don't even really care about me or they don't even like me they just like me because I make them feel better about themselves mm. like I don't exist to these people so it's constantly a battle with me when I even even in a space of where it's supposed to be love a body acceptance even on the internet it's like people don't care about me as a person they only care what I what I can provide them and that's a sense of confidence in themselves because at the end of the day they're looking at me like if I if she can do that I know I can do that you know (laughs) what I mean that's (laughs) so that is so true and so like that can make you feel so torn Like, yeah, I I remember, um, I don't know if you had to do this, but when I was in school, sometimes we we would have to write anonymous compliments to each other. Did you ever do this? No. <laughs> okay. I've said this to multiple people and everyone, everyone has been like, what the fuck are you talking about? I guess it was just my school. Like we would do this activity where you like write anonymous compliments about each other. And I remember one year I got all of these, all of these little pieces of paper that said, like, you don't even care if people are judging you. Like, you'll just like be out there and say what you want. Like, you don't even care if people think. And I remember reading those and being like, okay, like, but what are people thinking about me? That's bad. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? like it makes you think like, okay, am like, I Like, really- it's so great that you can be like confident and feel sexy the way I that love. you are. It's condescending. And yeah, and then they're like, oh, they're all, and people are always like, oh, you know, I wish I had your confidence and all this other stuff. And I just be like, I'm so over this idea of having confidence to do anything when literally I can't even get to confidence because I'm just trying to exist. My ability and everything that I do is based off the fact of that I am just a body. And this is my tool to use to express who I am. It has nothing to do with my confidence has nothing to do with my attractiveness because I am bigger than those things. Like I metaphorically, I am bigger than all of those. <laughs> you know, like true that, true that. My existence is bigger than that, and I I don't feel like I feel like my body is just one part of who I am, and I don't know whether that's the creative gifted part of myself, but I just don't feel that connected to my body to where I'm always like 
super judgy of it. If I am, it's because of what other people have said to me and things that, you know, they pointed out to me, but in my truest self, and this is the reason why being along is so good for me is because I don't think about any of that shit. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and you can just be a hundred percent yourself. I am. That's the reason why I thrive. Like, although I hate loneliness, I thrive on my own in my own space because I don't have to think about all of the things that people are thinking about me. And I don't have to think about the things that I'm doing that other people may not agree with or they may not like, or they might put their own kind of judgments on. I get to be free. And I think that's what body acceptance is for me. I think that's what liberation is for me. I think that's what my existence is. It's just, just this urgency to run to freedom, whatever that is. Yeah. There's no other way for me to feel that no other way that I want to feel other than just free from everything. Oh, amen. Um, there was one other thing that I wanted to ask you about related to that thing that you wrote, which was, you know, the thing about your queer identity. Um, how, what are the challenges as a queer person that being body positive or like having a certain body image, like what, how does it affect you differently as a queer person than it might as a straight person? Well, I'm judged for a lot of different things in, in a queer perspective, uh, you know, being bisexual or pansexual, like I'm open to everybody. And a lot of women, especially lesbians are not really cool to the idea that I would even like touch a penis. So they're, oh. all, they're already just like, fuck that. And then you also, I also see in the queer community, you know, a lot of times I, you know, even on Tinder and stuff like that, no one swipes, women don't swipe right. I mean, women on on Tinder. I would think you would kill on, I, I would think you would I don't, slay. I don't, and I am like gorgeous, but like yes. <laughs> these people have no fucking taste. Let me tell Clearly. you, these people in New York have no taste, honey. I, you need to I expand your range, your, your zip honey, code. I'm, I might actually be intimidating. I think that also may be a level two because I'm a fat woman that don't give a fuck and I wear what the fuck I want. And right. people would just be like, this is scary because this is going to push me out of my comfort zone. So I'm going to leave this alone. But I also think that people are just, people just hate fat people because they hate themselves. And that is the reason why I probably have a lot of, a lot of uh, hard time dating. Um, it is easier for me to date men. So I will date men, but I don't want to. <laughs> That's not like, like, it's like, I will date men because it's easier, but yeah. I don't really like them like that. Like I, and then I don't get to fully explore my um my queerness because a lot of the women that I date are dating men also or they're just like trying it out so I've I've kind of not been able to I just don't feel like maybe I'm queer enough sometimes to where people want to date me or maybe I'm too picky on the type of people that want to date me but usually the people that try to reach out and talk to me are like not even in this they, they, they're not even in this area so I'm like fuck you I don't want to talk to somebody that's living all the way in California like I'm right. supposed to video chat fuck you no so right. I don't like I mean we already dealing with circumstances so you're not supposed to be doing it with nobody so if you, you need to everybody please do not 
be oh. doing nothing with anybody right now. Like, yeah, no, stay like, safe. Like, stay behind stay your computer screen. Like, get get a vibrator. Like, everybody just not talk- pull the yeah. fuck out. We're talking. We're talking pre all of this, okay? But like, you know, it was just always this thing of me of me being, and even when I was talking to people, um, I would get I would get small girl, really girls, yeah, and I was just like, what the fuck. And are you not attracted to skinny girls? Um, no, I'm attracted to anybody. It's just that uh, mechanically it doesn't work out well with me because their like pelvis is like straight to bone and I got a lot of fluff right here. You know what I mean? Like scissoring is really not. So somebody could get feet. hurt is what you're saying. Someone's going to, I, I usually feel like ah, rubbing, rubbing against bone and it's <sighs> painful for me. <laughs> Oh my God. Wait a second. That is so true because I actually, I, I dated a really skinny man a few years ago. Definitely the skinniest man I've dated like all different body types, all different heights, weights, whatever. But this, he was like malnourished. Like he would only drink beer and like eat chicken wings. And he was just like six feet tall and probably like 115 pounds, like very skinny. Wow. But, um, that was the one thing that was like really hard for me because I actually did find him very sexy. He carried it in like a alternative, like he had like prison tattoos and like was a little badass. But physically, I felt like I was being stabbed in the gut, like yeah, by his bones. Painful. Yeah, it's painful. Like, um, yeah, I mean, like that's the only reason why I don't like to- the skinny people is because it's like physically a lot of it's just different for me and also it just you know they don't understand that I have a fupa they don't understand movement of big bodies Mm -hmm. a lot of the time so it's always like you know you have to be willing to adjust when you're when you're having sex you have to be willing to adjust things and to you know, uh, make everybody comfortable in the situation. Totally, and I, totally. And it takes a lot of work for me to get comfortable with skinnier bodies other than with fat bodies because it's something that I recognize and I know. And right. um, yeah, like, so it doesn't bother me. Like, I'm just like, oh, <laughs> this is hurting me. Like, you <laughs> I know. know. I, it's so, I've been there <laughs> and uh, I don't think I would go back there. My My boyfriend now is slim, but not anywhere near. I mean, this was like, I was being assaulted. Not actually. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it, it is that painful. It is painful. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I'm, I, I'm cool with that, but yeah, I don't want to scissor anyway. No, I mean, it's not scissoring even a thing. Some people try to make that happen. And I'm just like, please do not. Let's stop scissoring. I, I don't thought- want to scissor. I thought it was a myth. Like I thought it totally wasn't a thing, but then I saw this French movie with lesbians in it and they were full on scissoring and I thought uh, okay I guess I've been wrong about being wrong I don't I don't know I I don't know I mean I'm fat so it's hard to get a pussy on pussy action together right without like rearranging the fat so oh okay you know I, it is possible I people can enjoy it my clip doesn't sit that far out where it's easily accessible okay. Like yeah. there's a lot of mechanics to scissoring that people don't really think about. Like, like, do you like it's the puffiness? I wish more people thought about the mechanics. <laughs> they don't think you like. Do you have the right equipment to scissor easily? 
Like there's people with a larger clips that can easily slither and they just right. do everything because it's sitting right there. My shit is inside and it's under a hood and it's tucked. It's like, it's neatly just tucked away. Oh, me too. <laughs> me too. You need to like pry them open with yes. the jaws of life. Yeah, it's- You have to like unfold, you have to uh, lift it up and <laughs> fold it back and then push it forward and then make sure you get it like, get it activated so it can get a little hard. And <laughs> You know, and like, like, oh, just hold it open with some clothes pins <laughs> or something, safety pins. Otherwise, scissoring is just—it's just like the friction of our pelvis is moving. Right, and that's like, not it's, doing it's anything. Not doing anything for me. Right, so I don't want to scissor. If anybody is hearing this and they are attracted to me and would like to date me, I do not scissor. Okay, no, we're we're building a list. If you want to date Al, if you want to slide into the DMs, no scissoring and, you know, try to be like an, maybe like an, like an average weight. Listen, we're not skinny shaming over here on the show. Oh, we're not. We're not skinny I'm, shaming. I appreciate everybody, but I'm just saying, like, if you want, do not do that with me. Like, we got to do something else. If you, you know, if we're skinny, if we're small, if we're fat, whatever, please do not, we not, don't even bring up scissoring. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Noted. Um, you know what? We have to wrap up soon. I've enjoyed talking to you so much. Is there anything that you want to get out there? Any advice for people who are maybe having trouble accepting their bodies or finding acceptance from other people? I, I would say that, you know, we have to just, it's hard. And this is coming from somebody that has BPD who's always overthinking, but it's the best advice is just to stop thinking about when you, when you're thinking about what other people think about you, tell yourself to stop, cut it out. Yeah. And just ask yourself, what do you want to do? Like you have to step outside of yourself a little bit when you see your mind going that way into that harmful avenue pull that car back, pull a car back, reverse it and say like, let's take a moment here and reevaluate. Like, is this what I want? Is this what I want to do? It, you know, like, is this a me problem or a yes, them, a them problem? problem? Like you have to kind of, I, and I think people don't have this where they don't step outside of themselves enough to kind of see the, their life or what's happening as a movie so they can review it. So they can understand like, is this my feelings or are these their feelings? Because I feel like I'm a badass bitch, but they are having problems seeing it. That's their fault. There's, right. That's their eyes. The, that's their perception. So I would just say, stop giving a fuck about what other people got to say about you. That's all confidence really is. is stop giving a fuck and do what you want to do. A hundred percent. And also, you know, it can be a little disheartening, but I actually find it really freeing when you accept that people don't really think about you as much as you think they do. Right. Like the same way that your little sister said you were kind of a bully and you didn't remember that at all because you were stuck inside your own head. Everybody else is stuck inside their, their own head. They're not viewing you in a zoomed in way. They're viewing right. you as a whole person so if they like you they like you and if they don't tell them to go and fuck people themselves. are not going to like you people are not going everybody's not going to like you not everybody's going to find you attractive everybody's people are going to have their things to say especially being a fat person people are always going to say things and people will literally call me fat and it's in my fucking name it says can right. you fat me and they'll be like fat ass i'll be like duh like don't <laughs> fucking tell me something I, I don't you're know. like i said that that's not your thing <laughs> i'm like i'm like 
Or, or do you not do you not know how to read? It says it in the name. Like you think Stating I can the They well, don't. So you just have to just stop caring because people are gonna have their opinions, and usually those opinions come from their own self hate. Relinquish yourself from those ideas and just be free. Just uh, do what you want to do. Love it. I'm gonna etch that into some driftwood and hang it in my <laughs> above my mantle. Um, you just said it, but remind everybody where can they find you and follow you? Uh, you can mostly just follow me on Instagram right now at King Fat Femi. I have some cool stuff coming up. If you have BPD or you need help reminding yourself to be grounded, I have some something really cool coming up really soon. And if you like art and you like fat people, then I'm your girl. That's so <laughs> exciting. Also, I'm sure it would apply if you deal with any kind of mental illness. Any, any, yeah. If you, even if you just need a reminder, if, even if you don't think you have anything and you're just stressed out, you just need a reminder it's going to be very helpful. Nice. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Oh, you guys, I just loved that conversation with Elle Marcel. I actually had a ball getting to know her a little bit more and talking about her experiences. I I uh, hope that you got a lot out of it. Again, so sorry for the less than stellar sound quality, but I'm sure that you were able to grin and bear it and we're all better for it. I truly believe that. So let me know what you thought about this episode. Slide into my DMs, baby. Again, I'm Lubination on Instagram and all social media. Get at me. And I will see you all next week or be in your ears next week, if you will, on another episode of RIP Diets. Peace out. (laughs) 